Hi, Veronica. Hi. Hi. Wanted to make sure you could hear me. How's it going? Good. Uh, Welcome to My Body, My Choice, My Voice. I'm so excited that you could speak with me today and that all of this was able to come together. So, yeah. So, to start us off, just why don't you tell us, um, you know, more about yourself and what made it, motivated you to write the blog you write? Um, well, so I write for Vulva Inc. Um, I write reviews for sex toys, books. Um, I've been doing it for about a year and a half. I'm working on my sliding into summer event where I'm writing like two months of reviews just on lube. Um, it's all super important to me because people need to know about their bodies and knowledge is power. Um, I took some sex ed classes in college and then I got to work at an adult store for like three years and it was absolutely amazing. And the questions that people had could be a little mind blowing sometimes because you think, wow, that's really basic. You should probably know that. Let me help you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, it's super cool that you're involving so much of this in your life and I'm glad that we could talk today. Um, Yes, me too. Yeah, so where are you from originally? Um, I'm from Lewistown, Montana. It's a city of less than 6,000 people. It's like right in the geographic center of Montana. Um, I grew up there, and then I moved to Bozeman for college, which that's closer to 60,000 people, so much bigger population. Um, I actually started Mm -hmm. off studying art history and then ended up switching to psychology, and I had a double minor in sociology and women and gender studies because I just wanted to learn everything. That's so awesome. Yeah. Do you feel like, so in your small town in Montana that you grew up in, that you had, you know, adequate, like, sex and reproductive health education? Absolutely not. Um, it was it was so inadequate. Um, in sixth grade, I learned basics about the menstrual cycle, and I got a stick of deodorant. And then sophomore year of high school, they showed us really graphic pictures of, STIs um, that were left untreated, which I find really unrealistic at this point because really most of them don't show symptoms. Um, And I remember in high school I had a friend who was like a year older than me, and I was telling her about how I'd started using tampons, and she asked me if it was okay to pee while you have a tampon in, which it is and is not something you should have to ask when you're like 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, yeah. Do you feel like then once you got to college and started taking more classes or just general life experience that you felt like you had a much better knowledge than you did growing up? Definitely. People in college, I mean, they didn't know everything, but they knew more. And I saw that those classes were open, so I signed up for these sex ed classes. I got credit for them with my psychology major, and it's like mind blown. I loved it. It was like my thing. Everyone thought I was a total nerd about it, but I loved it. It it felt good to finally understand my body and what it was going through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you grow up in a religious family at all? I did. Um, My family went to a Baptist church for, I think, 16 years. Um, So it was kind of, I feel like religion was forced on me whenever I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I tried to stick with the youth group when I started college, but ultimately it just, it didn't work out. Organized religion ended up not being something I really wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like there was like a lot of pressure or judgment from like those sectors about like decisions you were making in your personal life? Definitely. Um, Yeah, everyone, 
I feel like they were very standoffish. You always had to wear really nice clothes. If someone wasn't saved, then they would, like, cry about it, and it was very preaching to the choir and very judgmental and... Mm-hmm. Like, my, my sex ed from my parents is like, don't have sex before you're married. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you how to say no. I'm not going to tell you how to have a conversation about it. I just don't want you to do it at all or even think about it. And it's like, that's that's not okay. Yeah, and that kind of just puts more pressure on people almost, or it just makes them feel like they can't talk about these things, you know. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. So moving on to, like, the topic of birth control, have you ever used any method of birth control, like, in the past, or are you on any now? Yes. Um, So I started using birth control when I was, like, 16 or 17. I was a really late bloomer, probably because of other health issues. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up having a period that lasted for 28 days. Um, (laughs) But my mom was a nurse, so she's like, all right, we're going to put you on birth control, which seriously helped. Um, and I, I've still had issues. So about three years ago, I ended up getting an IUD, which is awesome because I haven't had periods for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have used condoms in previous relationships. And at this point, we're in a long-term monogamous relationship, and I have the IUDs, so we haven't used condoms for a while. But, yeah, I've had a little bit of everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like you used birth control for both like period reasons as well as like um, pregnancy prevention? It definitely started off more for period reasons and mm-hmm. for the most part, I'd say it's largely for period reasons, but into my 20s, it was more for birth control as well. Yeah. Yeah. So how many birth control methods can you name like at the top of your head? Okay. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. There's the pill, there's the implant, there's the shot, the hormonal IUD, mm-hmm. the um, non-hormonal IUD, sterilization, that's, oh, condoms, of course, which mm-hmm. include female condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling out is technically a method. Yeah. Not the yeah, best one, but it is a method. Yeah. That's um, all of them I can think of at the moment. There's probably yeah. more. Yeah, that's like, yeah, most of them, definitely. Um, I don't know if you, you've ever been, I'm sure you do go on a lot of websites, um, like for research for your blog. But have you been on yes. bedsider.org? Bedsider? I, yes. yes. It's been a little while, but yes, I remember that. Yeah, they're a pretty like fun website, especially for someone who's not like very comfortable like searching things like birth control. And it like mm-hmm. gives you a full list, which I thought was really cool. Um, and just kind of tells you like the pros and cons of all of them, like depending yeah. on what you're looking for. Yeah, and that was something cool. I remember. Something I remember not really knowing until I started it myself was that there's so many different dosages. I think I was on three different kinds of birth control within my first year of having it because we had to find the right balance. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone's hormones are just so crazy different, and someone's going to need more of one thing than another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like with myself, I started birth control like probably around the same age as you. Um, and I've been or I've I've been taking the pill, um, but I had I've had to switch brands of the pill like several times mm-hmm. because like certain brands like kind of messed me up my hormones up a little bit. So like I would feel much better like on a certain brand and feel much worse on a different one. So it's really crazy that even within like one type of birth control, there's different levels of like hormones within within each of them that can be drastically different for different people. Yeah. 
Yeah, but definitely the pill has helped me a lot um, with myself. Um, I don't know if you're aware of, like, polycystic ovary syndrome. I have heard of it. I couldn't really tell you anything about it except that yeah. I think it includes a lot of physical pain. Um, I don't plan on having kids at this point, at least. I don't have a lot of friends with kids, so it's not really been on my radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, because I, like, found out I had that when I was, like, 17, and so birth control, like, kind of has helped kind of, like, similar to you when you have, like, really bad periods. It, like, helped a lot with that and other things. So I'm awesome. really thankful for having birth control, but – and yeah. I know other it's people are <laughs> Yeah. So when you were accessing this birth control at any different time in your life, did you feel like you had that control and autonomy in making that decision, or did you feel like there were a lot of other pressures from other aspects of your life? Um, I I felt like – I could make my own decisions with it. Um, my mom definitely helped me feel that it was okay to use it. And mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, this is what's working for me right now. This is what's not working for me right now. And my doctor would adjust it accordingly. Um, what I didn't know until a couple of years ago, my dad was telling me about that time of life and how he and my mom were questioned a lot by their community for allowing me to go on birth control. Mm. They just didn't understand why I would need it. That's interesting. I guess small yeah. town life, everyone finds out everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. When there's less than 6,000 people, you know everyone's business. That's funny. Um, did you feel like, um, like, have you ever felt any pressure from a partner, per se, in, like, being the provider of birth control? I I haven't. I've been really privileged in that, in that, my partners have, like, brought condoms of their own or, you know, working at a sex store, we had a free jar of condoms hanging out, so I'd always just grab a handful from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, and my current partner is amazing. He's very much a it's your body, it's your decision, not mine kind of person. Mm-hmm. That's so I've, I've been really yeah. good about the people I've hooked up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely good. <laughs> um, so when you were, like, learning about all of these things, do you think – that in the U.S. that there's adequate sex education or reproductive health education? Um, I think it definitely depends on where you are. So in Montana, no way. No one knows anything or understands anything. There's lots of, like, myths going around and stuff. Um, I remember meeting people from, like, San Francisco or Portland, and they would tell me all about their sex ed. And I'm like... What? You you had adequate sex education? Is that even legal <laughs> in the U.S.? How did that happen? Like, it, it was mind-blowing to me that people had actually learned stuff before college in their mm-hmm. sex ed classes. So it's it's definitely a geographical thing. Mm-hmm. Montana is not the place to go for this stuff. <laughs> Maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, yeah, do you think that overall that women's health concerns have been given the attention it deserves, like, in the U.S.? Um, no, definitely not. Um, I, I feel like the male figure tends to be kind of what's seen as the norm or the default body. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember in reading all of those sex books, especially um, Bonk by Mary Roach was one of the first ones that I read, and she's talking about how there's really, like, no funding for research. So you would think that something like the vagina and the uterus, which is 
pretty important for stuff like birth. Well, there's so much stuff that we don't know about that that could be affecting the environment for sperm or affecting our well-being. But it's a woman's body, so it doesn't matter. And we shouldn't learn about it because it's too private. Mm, so stuff yeah. like that has definitely held us back. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it's interesting, too, how we call them, like, private parts when it's, like, I don't know, they're a huge part of your life, like, whether or not it's actually <laughs> active, like, you know, and it should right. be given, like, research and so we can have an understanding of everything. Um, and like you were saying, I think it was a good point that you brought up that we tend to kind of devalue women's health in a lot of ways versus, like, mm-hmm. like it, or, like, the male body's a default, I think you said. Um, yeah. I think I definitely see that really prevalent, um, and yeah, definitely I think it should be, you know, equal funding and equal research for both bodies and, like, all bodies in between and have, yeah. <laughs> right, because, like, every body, it's, it's so different. You have allergies, you have sensitivities, you have health issues, you have parts that we don't even know about or understand. Mm-hmm. And everyone has these vastly different experiences from each other, and we're expected to use just this general single body as an example for everything. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in your life specifically that you have had, like, the privilege of being able to gain access to these things um, in terms of, like, economic freedom? And do you think that there's, like, a direct tie between having some sort of economic freedom and reproductive freedom? Yes. Um, I very much grew up in a middle-class family, so even with my parents being kind of hush-hush about it, I still had access to resources. And Bozeman in college didn't have a Planned Parenthood, but it had a Bridger Care, which mm-hmm. they were amazing, and I could go to them and I could ask all sorts of questions. They also had sliding fee scale. Um, even when health bills have been difficult, I've still I've still managed and having access, even having access to college and to those classes in college, I was able to learn so much. And if you don't have money, you don't really have options. Yeah. You don't you don't have access to the knowledge to learn about the options. You don't have access to money to pay your bills. Yeah. For reproductive health care. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely huge too with um, you know, there's been, like, a lot of setbacks with, like, um, health insurance and health care and, you know, how do we give everyone equal access when, you know, if, say, if your family can't afford health insurance or you can't afford those things. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference between, you know, getting birth control with health insurance versus, like, out of pocket, which can really add up. So yeah. I think it's a huge point to <laughs> understand. Um, you mentioned Planned Parenthood. Have you ever been to Planned Parenthood yourself? I have not, although I will be going in the next couple of weeks. I'm about due for my checkup on my IUD because that's a yearly thing and I need my annual anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I do volunteer for them, though. I've been volunteering for about a year because I'm living in Billings now and Billings has a Planned Parenthood. Um, mm-hmm. I had a college friend get a hold of me, actually, and she was like, Hi, so I see you're in Billings. Do you want to come to a phone bank for Planned Parenthood? And I'm like, Yes, totally support mm-hmm. you guys. You're amazing. So mm-hmm. now I have a ton of pink t-shirts and I made a sign that says peg the patriarchy that I leave for my march events. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Just always have some good signs. <laughs> yeah. So um, did you get your IUD then from a primary health provider or a separate gynecologist? Um, I got it from Bridger Care in Bozeman. Um, I feel like 
Bridgercare and Planned Parenthood are pretty much the same, except that Bridgercare is smaller and they don't provide abortions. So okay. that was so something parents. looking over your questions, like Planned Parenthood is very much seen as an abortion clinic, and then Bridgercare is a health clinic because it doesn't offer that. But mm-hmm. I did get to go there for my IUD, and they were super amazing. They had an appointment just to learn about my IUD, what it does, what some side effects might be, what the insertion was going to be like. And I was really kind of freaked out because it sounded like it was going to be uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. um, I'd been dating my current partner for like two or three months, and I go out and say, hey, would you mind coming in and holding my hand, even though we haven't been together for that long? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, totally. So That's he got to hold cool. my hand during the appointment and ask doctors questions and all sorts of stuff. That's really cool that to like be supportive in that way and yes, just, yeah, just really be there. That's awesome. Um, so like when looking in the future, do you think that you know there's something that the general public could do to help kind of move us forward? I guess in terms of education around reproductive health or sexual health. Um. In general, probably just being educated themselves and contributing money to causes and figuring out that, hey, our bodies are really important for our health and our well-being, mm-hmm. and we should know about that so we know if something goes wrong so we can make educated decisions on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but- and, yeah, with, like, policies and stuff we had – this big Medicaid change that I had to deal with whenever I was doing social work. And it's like, wow, we just lost, we lost a lot of access to a lot of resources for our clients. And Mm -hmm. that's going to affect their health and that's going to affect their well-being, which is already affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Do you have any general advice out there for anyone like young or old who might be dealing with any of these like reproductive or sexual health issues? And and that could be anything from, like, dealing with providers, you know, getting emotional support and anything else. Um, definitely don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm. I remember growing up, for whatever reason, I was afraid to ask questions. I thought people would think I was an idiot or something. And now it's like if you don't ask, you don't know or you don't know yeah. for sure. And so definitely ask questions. Um, try and get to know your body because your body might not be the same as everyone else's. If you can, maybe go to the library or something, check out some books, try and learn more about your body if you can, or at least get to know its cycles and the way it works. Know if you have some issues, and then see if you can find someone with a sliding fee scale that would maybe help make payment a little easier. But Mm -hmm. definitely ask questions is my main one. Yeah, but I think that's a huge one. I think a lot of women growing up don't feel comfortable asking those questions because they're typically, like in the past, haven't been easy things to talk about or things that are talked about very much. It's always been kind of hush-hush. But, and I think that's really great advice to give to anyone is, you know, learn about yourself, learn about your body because, like you said, like we don't all have the same makeup and things could be different for one person and for another. But I think that's super awesome advice and I'm super glad that, you were able to talk with me today. Um, I'll like say your blog again is vulvainc.wordpress.com if any of you want to check it out. And also, you know, write your senators, write your congressmen, and visit Planned Parenthood if you can. Um, and they offer way more than 
you know, the option for abortion. They offer so much more for sexual health and emotional health, and they're a really great resources, resource. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, feel free to reach out. And thank you so much, Veronica. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This is awesome. Good to meet you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye.